0: Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL, most valuable listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.
1: And if there is something that you are interested in and you're wanting to go to the next level, I think these programs are wonderful. Three, two,
0: one. My name is Espri Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I.
1: Hello, everybody. I'm Olivia Gafferle, a data scientist in Italy. Although I am living in Rome, originally I am from Azerbaijan, while thinking about how long it took for me to be a tech woman in the technology world, I felt the responsibility and desire to help other women as much as I can. Therefore, I developed the tech platform to support others who want to achieve in technology. Because I believe women have ability to do great things. For us, sharing, helping, developing as one is the most important value. What I would like to emphasize is just do not afraid to fail. Do not limit yourself with little success. Think bigger, learn, fail, repeat, experience, and reach the inaccessible. No matter how hard the challenge is, go for it. If not now, then when? To
0: connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at Women in Tech That's Women in Tech That's getpodcastlisteners.com. Going into March, we are in quarter one of this new year. And I think it's a great time for all of us to like kind of think back on the last three months and reflect, have we been spending it the way we want to? Because wow, does it go laser fast, right? Before we know it, it's gonna be the end of 2021 again. So really taking that moment to recalibrate, to reflect, are we spending our time, our energy the way that we want to be spending it? Are we gaining the outcome that we're looking to achieve from all that time and energy invested? And did make careful changes and tweaks and pivots where it doesn't feel in alignment. If your house is still messy and it's three months, Like mine is, I'm speaking from personal experience, three months in the year, what do we got to do to make sure we prioritize ourselves in the process, you know, from a messy house? Are we exercising? Are we eating well? Are we taking care of the things to be the professionals we want to be, to be the best professionals we want to be? It's really important that we cultivate our life, this life, so that we are living the life that we desire to live, not defaulting to apps and meetings and just other sources of agendas, right? We wanna be creating our own agenda and being really intentional with our time so that we could be living the life that we desire, right? And I know you guys probably heard, I've been super burnt out lately, so I've been doing a lot of thinking about like, how am I investing my time is it how I want to be spending my time? Where do I want to be? And do I feel happy in my head and in my body? Do I feel ease or do I feel chaotic and tired and all over the place like whiplash? And, you know, being in the tech world, you guys know like this mental whiplash is a thing that we experience over and over again. And it's important that we consistently recalibrate because Truly at the end of the day all we have is ourselves, you know? Like in a good way. Like we have to live with ourselves, so we may as well enjoy the person that we're living with 24/7. <laughs> enjoy the next episode. the Women in Tech podcast celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest, Colleen, coming at us from Naples, Florida. Hello.
1: Hello. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So excited to have you. Go ahead and to kick things
1: off, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Happy to. So my name is Colleen Brady. I am based in sunny uh, Florida. I was about to say Southern California because (laughs) I used to live there, but not anymore. So now I'm in sunny Southern Florida. And uh, there's a couple of things that I do. One of which is I have the past 18 months or so gotten into something called no code. And I know you've had Amy from MakerCAD on a while ago. So I know some of your listeners are probably used to no code, but it's something that's fairly new and it's a way of using technology in new ways. And so I've got a website, iheartnocode.com, where I kind of talk about share tutorials and talk a, a bit about that. And also iHeartNocode.com. Yes, yes. Love because it. I I that's I I really, 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 hopefully that comes through. Really enjoy no code. And so that domain just seemed very, very fitting. And one of the things that I'm doing with no code is building a site called yarnlove.co, which is a site for knitters and crocheters for finding patterns. Uh, because Wait. I'm a crocheter.
0: Okay. Your second one was yarn love Mm -hmm. and yarn and code. It's like two different worlds, two different sides of your brain,
1: or are they they the same because of the patterns of the yarn? I think there's a lot that's the same. So to me, the common thread or I guess we're not really using thread with knitting and crocheting, but the kind of a common trait is creating something, the the creation process. So creating something out of nothing. And when you're coding, there's certain standards that you follow and patterns and that type of thing. And I think you also have that if you're a knitter or a crocheter.
0: Interesting. Yep. Okay. I'm dying. First of all, no code is such the revolution right now. Everything mm-hmm. is no code. I mean, I've checked out the no code site. There's so much. And you're also part of that like new fancy program,
1: too, that everybody's been talking about. What is that program? Yes. So on Jack and on Twitter, it's I think the Twitter handle is B-E-O-N-D-E-C-K. It's a new way for education. It's cohort based. And I am in the first track of the no code fellowship. So it's a 10 week program, a lot of peer learning, wonderful speakers who come in and you know kind of share their stories, share what they've done, very very collaborative and it's just an amazing amount of energy. So very excited and very much enjoying that.
0: Was it scary to sign up for on deck? Like was it this like huge life choice or like where were you at with that
1: and why on deck? That's a great question. So when I first started hearing about it last fall, I did kind of just gloss over it. It didn't speak to me at the time, but then as the new year, 2021, rolled around, the deadline was closing and I kind of had some changes in what I was doing and where I was going. And someone reached out to me, KP, uh, who's the program director for Uh, that track. And so I was talking with him and decided, yep, I am going to go and I am going to apply. And I was accepted into it. So there's about 130 people from all over the world that are in the program. I think it's a wonderful mix of men and women in the program as well. So in addition to geographic diversity, and I would say it's probably one of those life-changing types of making that decision was kind of probably life-changing because it's just opened a whole number of doors I had not expected otherwise.
0: I'm now oh. bouncing to the next question, like, what kind of doors? I mean, the people want to know. I want to know. <laughs> How do we get those doors? Colleen, tell
1: us. Well, I think a lot of it' I'm goes- actually not even
0: kidding. So, I'm being
1: serious. No, I think a lot of it has to do with the philosophy that the on deck program has and how they're doing things. So I would highly recommend the No Code Fellowship if no code is something that you're interested in. They have one for podcasters, content creators, all these various different tracks. And if there is something that you are interested in and you're wanting to go to the next level, I think these programs are, are wonderful. I had originally thought that there was a lot of hype and just kind of, you know, oh gosh, what's another mastermind? Oh gosh, what's another this? What's another that? Is it going to live up to the hype? And I am finding that for me that it really, really is because everyone is so incredibly collaborative, willing to share, mm. willing to be vulnerable about what it is that they're stuck with, and willing to, if somebody is stuck with something and says, I need help, they drop what they're doing and help, there's some authenticity and some lack of pretense and such that I feel like I've seen in other groups that's just not part of this community, which makes it very amazing.
0: So I have a couple questions, kind okay. of like a fork in the road. One okay. is, well, of course I have a couple questions because I host a podcast, <laughs> but, but one is, I don't know which one to ask first because I'm equally excited about both. Question number one, you could choose, and then we'll we'll get to the other one. Question number one, or option, I should say door number one, since we're talking okay. about doors of opportunity, okay. is were you in tech beforehand? And then door number two is what no-code platforms have you started using? Which ones? Because there's so many. Everybody's talking about Webflow right now. There's Wix. I mean, there's code builders up the waz. There's Bubble to build on. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are like, wait, what, 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 what? And some people are like, old school, old moves. I already know that. Which one do you want to answer first? Which one are you gravitating to or
1: how do you, were you in tech before? For me, I think they merged together because I had been in tech before. So I've worked with okay. a number of technical startups over the years. Years ago, I had done web development and got out of it because I just saw technology was just mm. constantly iterating. And I wasn't sure that I was going to keep up, especially as I was just thinking about how did I want my life to progress. If you kind of take your eye off the ball in terms of tech for a year... You know, all of a sudden your skills can be obsolete. So, I started to move into product development and really enjoyed just that process. Again, going back to something that I said previously about creating something out of nothing that solves a business problem. And that allowed me, as part of being product development, to still be somewhat technical, but I wasn't coding. So, I was helping create documentation and see products come to life, but I was no longer a doer. And I really, really, really missed that. And so, at some point, uh, I started to find Zapier and started using Zapier, which is kind of a no-code tool with WordPress to start creating sites and solutions for friends and family. And that was one way that I kind of was coding, but again, not, I'm not opening up an uh, editor like Notepad++ and writing Java and you know hardcore programming languages. And I just, I felt a little lost that I couldn't do it and I just didn't quite have the aptitude Or maybe that's not quite the right word. Low coding just didn't quite work for me. And then once I found no code and starting to realize, hey, these ideas that I've had in my head, that there's actually ways for me to implement versions of them. And as the tools have gotten better, not necessarily a pale version of that idea, I can now take that idea and start adding more in color and more complexity, which is, to me, extremely exciting. So you coded in Java before. I was, I never I got done with my Java One course, but I never got hired as a Java developer.
0: Okay, cool. So, and we're gonna dive more into your background too, but mm-hmm. I'm just I'm dying of curiosity. So now being in this on deck program and being a no code evangelist, what are the no coding? I'm just dying. I love software <laughs> productivity tools. I can't help. I need the answer to this question. What platforms did you gravitate to to start building? I love Zapier. So you mentioned Zapier. Mm-hmm. For those mm-hmm. of you who don't know Zapier and apologies for everybody who does, it's kind of like you're plugging two sites together. Like you're connecting two sites, like one site's communicating to another site and Zapier is handling that those communication channels and it could go multi-sites, that kind of thing. So that's Zapier. 100% check out Zapier if you haven't been on Zapier. What are the other no-code platforms you've been gravitating to?
1: So I love Webflow. So Webflow was one of my first. I didn't realize that Zapier was a no-code tool when I discovered it. Webflow was kind of what opened the no-code world mm, up to it's me. True. And, and so as probably as a bit of a disclaimer, I do do some, as much as I love Webflow and I am a organizer for the Sarasota chapter meetup. I also do some freelance and contracting work with Webflow. So, And like for Webflow,
0: I don't know if you could answer this, but you mentioned you connected Zapier to WordPress once. WordPress is like a behemoth. It's amazing. It's so powerful. But Webflow makes things so much easier. But WordPress seems to have so much more capability. Are you able to answer like why stop using WordPress and start using Webflow or... Are you like, "Mm, it depends?
1: There's probably some level of it depends. So as much as I love Webflow, I'm not convinced that it's the perfect tool for every use case and for every person. I mentioned earlier about building Yarn Love. And when I first started looking at that last summer, I was going back and forth. Do I use no-code tools or should I build it in WordPress? And I actually started to go down the WordPress route for a while and was not particularly happy with the issues that I was running into with WordPress. But I wasn't necessarily convinced that I wanted to go the no-code route because I kind of felt like some tools weren't quite where I needed them to be. But there's just so much iteration going on in the space and new features and new products that more recently, I've gone the no-code route and I'm very happy to be now building using no-code tools. And Webflow is my front end.
0: I'm pulling up Yarn Love right now because I want to see your Yarn Love in Webflow and walk the listeners through it in full effect. No pressure. No
1: pressure. (sighs) Okay. I should have probably switched over. I've got a... So I've got a landing page right now on yarnlove.co and have a separate URL where I've been developing out the functionality. So if you're going to yarnlove.co, you're not... Oh, I'm not getting the glory You're not getting You're like, like
0: holding out on but, me. This, what you built, the landing page that you built here is Webflow or is it not Webflow?
1: It is. The landing page is, is, is. Webflow.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. It's so interesting and so tricky in this day of like, how do we launch our thing? And a lot of people, Webflow is great. Like I've heard a lot of great things about Webflow. I know some amazing designers in Webflow. And yeah, it's a very interesting world we live in. Are you familiar with sites like Bubble? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. So yep. can you talk to us a little bit about Bubble and its competitors and like what those kind of sites do for no code and for how do they empower
1: us? I'm not an expert with Bubble, but I have played around with it a little bit and tried building a couple of things in Bubble. So one of the things I think is absolutely amazing about the no code space is there are multiple tools that kind of do the same thing, but their layouts are different. And some of the functionality is different. And I think different people's problem solve and their brain works differently. And so if you're starting out with a tool, like you've mentioned Zapier a couple of times, if Zapier doesn't work for you, there's another tool called IntegraMAT where what? you do the same thing. IntegraMAT? Yes. How do I not know this? How do you spell that? So it's spelled I N T E G R O M A T. And I'm trying to remember if it's a .com extension. It's okay. Google will know. Yes, Google will know. (laughs) So similarly to Zapier, it serves as glue between different services. But the interface is slightly different. And so if like the Zapier interface doesn't work for you, IntegraMap may be perfect for you. And so I think there's something similar like with Webflow versus Bubble. Now, Bubble does have capabilities that Webflow doesn't have. Bubble hasn't clicked for me. Mm. The interface just doesn't, the way that I think, Mm. it just doesn't work. And other people, they absolutely adore Bubble. And I think that's fine. They problem solve and think in a different manner. But one of the things that Bubble does have is some of their internal logic flows and some of what they're able to build internally in some ways is more sophisticated than some of the other tools out there. And in some cases, if you're using a different tool, you might need to put together a couple other services. So.
0: I mean, there's a few of them. Bubble's the one that I'm familiar with, but there's another one. I wish I could remember the other name right now. But the idea is, for, uh, for everyone listening, is you could legit build a facebook with these like mm-hmm. you could build your own social network you and not knowing any code it's wild like mm-hmm. it's wild the kind of power you have with these no code tools let's dive back into your history when did you first fall in love with the world of geekdom
1: <laughs> you know in some ways i feel like it was college so i it probably was before that but my mom likes to talk about how coming and visiting me at college, I'm like, we have to go to the library and I have to show you these things. And that probably was a moment where things started to change for me.
0: And when did you s- first start learning code? It's been more than 10 years. So like, what did that look like at the time? Were you at a job? Were you still in school? Did you take any classes? And I-, I know you took a Java class, but was that in college or was that...
1: Exploratory extracurriculum. (laughs) That was it. That was an exploratory extracurriculum. So I started to get into coding because I kind of had a generic administrative job that I was bored with. And I just, was becoming interested in technology. So started doing, at the time I lived in San Diego, so started doing classes through UCSD extension there. And so they had some HTML, they had Java, those types of things. I tried an online course at one point and those to different degrees hit at different levels. And I tried getting an internship. And so I would just send out these resumes and I could not get an internship whatsoever and was getting extremely demoralized with that. And then I don't know why on some lark, I decided to start actually applying for jobs and I started getting interviews and I couldn't believe that, Hey, for the, these unpaid internships, tech roles that are, you know, the short period of time can't get an interview. Can't. And yet the resume is the same. Yo,
0: I feel like everyone listening that isn't like stuck, like that's a game changing insight. On your journey. If the internship isn't working out, just take the same resume, apply to the job, and that may. <laughs> it's crazy. Now,
1: it's, I think so often we underestimate what our skills are, and you don't mm-hmm. necessarily know what a hiring manager is looking for. 100%.
0: And how did you, where did you take your tech interest in skills there?
1: What was that first job? So, first job was doing web development as part of a marketing team. and. You know, it just it was amazing to basically be able to start seeing stuff that I was being developing on a company website and that generating money for the company. And just from there, just really kind of enjoyed the excitement of it and from there decided somehow managed to end up starting to work for technology startups. And one of the things about working for a startup is you often are doing, so many different disparate tasks, and it's not easy to have a simple, singular job description. And so that allowed me to kind of grow my skills in a number of different ways. And then from there, at least the startups that I was working at didn't necessarily always have the money to hire someone to figure out what the product should be. I started to take that role on. So sales and marketing would say, we need to have feature X The development team is like, well, we don't know what X is. We can build it, but you got to tell us what it is. And so that started to become my role of, okay, if this is what is needed, here's how we do it, and here's what it should be.
0: When you were transitioning away from this world of code into no code, are you trying to get to the place where you're really not dabbling in code
1: at all anymore and you're strictly no code? That's a great question. So a while ago, I probably would have said... Yes, that's true. But one of the things that some people in no-code will say is that they start to actually do some coding once they've gotten some no-code under their belt. Mm. And it seems extremely counterintuitive. And at the time, you know, months ago, I used to think, hey, that's a bunch of hogwash. That's a bunch of malarkey. Nope, you know, that just doesn't make sense at all. But as I'm starting to work with some of these tools, I'm starting to find oh, I wanna connect this with this, there's an API. I've only just theoretically kind of known what an API is, but, oh, Zapier allows me to go and grab this or Airtable allows me to grab this and I can get this data and put this over here, but I need to kind of understand what a JSON file is and how that's constructed and what these different curly braces mean and, Oh, I want to add this interactivity on the site. I need to understand a little bit of JavaScript in order to move this around or move this variable around. And so I'm actually finding that I'm starting to actually get into a certain kind of programming that I would not have expected.
0: Your story is making me think how my first parlay learning how to code was wanting to update my MySpace profile. Okay. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Like, it wasn't for MySpace. I mean, I was into tech before that because I've been into tech since I was a little girl. But coding specifically in the tech world, that was MySpace.
1: And I think <laughs> it makes a big difference. So kind of going back to some of your earlier questions, it I think it makes a big difference when you actually have a use case that's meaningful to you, that you care about, versus sitting down and doing a bunch of exercises and, and a bunch of homework that mm-hmm. you need to pass a grade or need for whatever, and it doesn't resonate or connect with you.
0: Totally agree. I, it's funny because when I work with developers, a little developer trick for those of you on a budget, developers can't, as a culture, can't stand building for the sake of building. They want to build something that's actually going to be used I'll have developers approach me and tell me that they're trying to learn a new coding language. And so can they build something for me that I'll use within my space? And for them, they can't be hired for it yet because they're experimenting on a new coding language, but they also just don't want to experiment for the sake of experimenting. They want it to have an end product and an a result and then see people use it. And they don't Necessarily have the market nor want to start a business for that. So, if they partner with the right organization or community builder or whatever it may be, then they could practice their new code in a safe way. And then the recipient has this amazing product that they could utilize for their purposes. It's really cool. So, yes, when you have something meaningful to build, it makes the coding journey so much more fruitful. What is an
1: amazing piece of advice someone has given you along the way? So my first performance evaluation came back and, you know, there were some nice things about it, but there were some parts that were extremely critical and really floored me. So I went and talked to my manager about it. And my manager was like, you have all these ideas, but you don't share them in meetings. Mm. I'm like, okay. So kind of going back and forth a little bit. And then I'm like, you know, and I'm kind of like, what? I don't, quite fully understand this. And he's like, yeah, you know, we'll have a meeting and then either that night or in the coming days, you will send an email with this extremely detailed proposal, response, what have you. And you never do that in a meeting. Like, okay, but I don't have those ideas in the meeting. They come after the meeting. And so that basically taught me that going into meetings, I wanna see an agenda ahead of time. So a meeting that doesn't have an Mm -hmm. agenda where I can't start to like pre-think in advance is very hard for me. Wow, Uh, that's good for all of us, even as like founders. Okay, let's like, let's start writing agendas. (laughs) You can't always do that. But, you know, depending upon how somebody processes information, you may not be getting the best out of the people around you if there's someone who needs to noodle on something for a little bit. Mm. That's a great point.
0: I received a piece of advice this week from someone in my writing group. I'm going to share it because I think it's pretty meaningful. And I shared it with the rest of my writing group. And they were all like, whoa. So watch, (laughs) Colleen. Now you're going to be like, that was it. That was the grand advice. But we'll see. We'll see how this lands. I've been going through burnout lately and I've been really, the stage of life that I'm in, or I should say the chapter, the chapter of life that I'm in is where I'm not just going to burn out and crash. I'm like, oh, I'm burning out. This is not where I want to be. What changes do I need to make? How do I start making those changes? So I'm in a more observant role of the burnout or a more observant chapter of the burnout rather than just like crashing, you know, and being like, ah, flail, and then start again and then flail, you know? So I was talking my writing group was like, you have to start saying no to things. And I was like, I am so afraid of saying no. I'm afraid of missed opportunities. I'm afraid of not being relevant anymore. I'm just, I'm afraid to say no. And so it was two pieces of advice. They said, actually three. Okay. Three. You're not (laughs) saying no to the opportunity. You're saying no to being burnt out. And that reframe, I was like, whoa, okay. And then they're like, you're not saying no to an opportunity. You're saying yes to several other opportunities you wouldn't have had the capacity for had you said uh, yes to the first one. And I'm like, wow, this is really starting to expand my mind. And then this piece, and this is what inspired me to want to say this right now. And this was the mic dropping kind of piece when you are thinking about a situation or a person, do you energetically feel like you're constrictive, like you're constricting, or you're expanding? Like, do you feel constricted? or I don't know the right grammatical term, but constricting or expanding? And that was the one that everybody was like, "Whoa, and that even for me. So it's like when I receive a business deal that I feel like, oh, I should really take this because it's huge, blah, 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 blah blah. But inside, I feel like blah about it, and I feel constricted. And I'm like, oh, I should not. And maybe it's just a variable in the deal that's wrong, but I should honor that rather than being like fear-based, you know? I received a deal today, and immediately I felt expanded and joyous and appreciated. And I was like, oh, this is what that means. Like, I know intuitively this is the right deal for me. My whole body is like, yes to this. Whereas like the two other deals that came my way this past week, I felt like, Rah, you know, but I was like, oh, what am I thinking intellectually? I can't say no to so-and-so big Goliath
1: of a brand who wants to work with me. I love that. And I mean, think about it though. Aren't we taught though to be making decisions based on numbers, based on things that like you can touch and energy and and those feelings you can't necessarily touch. But if you are burnout and don't have the energy to move forward, you're not putting your best forward. Totally,
0: totally. That was my little piece of advice that has really been sticking with me and helping me. A question I love to ask is, what's one huge obstacle you successfully overcome and how did you overcome it?
1: That's a great question. In recent time, I would say I was stuck before kind of finding no code. And so I was burnt out on the things that I had been doing. I'd been working for the same types of companies. And as exciting as the space was, it's just going back to kind of the couple of things that you just said, I wasn't feeling expanding. I wasn't feeling joy. I just, I wasn't, it was very droll, very, yeah. and so for a while, I just felt like I was spinning and unsure of what to to do next. And the difference was kind of basically scrolling through Twitter and having someone ask, what is Webflow? And I'm like, I don't know what that is. I'm kind of curious. And followed it, discovered that I had been reading their blog posts for the longest time because I love web design and I really love their content and I had never really looked at what the product was. That was then me finding no code and discovering hey, these ideas that I've been trying to build or trying to work with my developer husband, but he's not <laughs> not getting this stuff done because he's got other interests, you know, those ideas don't have to die and I can put it on me. That's a really great
0: point, though. That's the thing about WordPress or another code site versus a Webflow is it does take a lot more time to develop something, to program something versus in no code, you can truly get something done depending on how much, but in an hour or less, because all you're doing is dragging and dropping a bunch of pre-made things around now. If you want extra design elements and depending how spruced up you want something, obviously will take more time and tweaking. But, and even like Squarespace is an example of no code that people have been doing for ages, but they've never classified themselves as a no-code solution. Like Mm -hmm. you're right, the no-code movement. I feel like Webflow was a champion, a leader in people understanding this term, no-code and it becoming a thing. But Mm -hmm. Squarespace is one of them. I think about it all the time. I'm like, should I stop using WordPress and start using Squarespace?
1: Depending on what your needs are. Well, think about Shopify. Mm -hmm. Same. Same thing, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, totally agree. Totally agree. Where can people connect with
1: you? Where can they find you? Twitter, in terms of social media places, is my home. And so I am at Colleen, C-O-L-L-E-E-N-M, Brady, B-R-A-D-Y. Also, uh, yarnlove.co or iheartnocode.com. I was truly honored that you reached out, and I have really been enjoying listening to the other people that you've interviewed. I mean, I feel like it's kind of opened my eyes to worlds and things that I hadn't been aware of because I've been very focused on no-code. Yeah, and getting me back into listening to podcasts too. I think over the pandemic, I stopped doing that. Totally,
0: I think that's a lot of us, yeah. Balancing all of our digital time. has been a thing. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in the tech community. Remember, go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight to the Facebook group. Say hello on social, at Women in Tech Show, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys here, guys, in the next episode.
1: Bye. Bye. This is Colleen Brady. I have a site, iHeartNoCode.com, and I'm building YarnLove.co for knitters and crocheters. I'm based in sunny Naples, Florida, and I'm excited to be on this podcast. And you're listening to Women in Tech.